This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. Welcome to another episode of Preservation Oaks. In this series, we introduce you to professionals from museums, cultural, genealogical, and historical societies across the United States. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Good day, everyone. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe coming to you from Salt Lake City, and this is Preservation Oaks, the internationally syndicated original talk program on MicroStream Radio, where we feature interviews with professionals from museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies across the United States. Hey, thanks for listening. By the way, our main platform is preservationoaks.podbean.com. But wherever you listen to the program, I appreciate it very much when you like, comment, follow, or subscribe. We know people want to have a better understanding of these organizations, know how they're funded, how each is unique to the communities they serve, what programs and events they currently have underway, and what services they offer to the public and their members. We believe this information is vital for people to know how to work with these organizations and how important it is to join, support, volunteer with, and donate to one or more of these societies. Remember, your donations are tax-deductible. Each guest organization on Preservation Oaks brings with them a truly unique viewpoint and perspective around how they tell the story of their communities, how they continue to be relevant for the times in which we live and what kinds of exhibits and volunteer opportunities they've created. This makes listening to each episode of the program interesting, fun, and diverse. If you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on the program, or if you have questions or comments about the program, just spin off an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. All right, that being said, let's get this show snapping. Our historical events and birthdays for this episode. On June 13, 1966, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled 5-4 to four in the case of Miranda v. Arizona that an accused person must be appraised of certain rights before police questioning, including the right to remain silent, the right to know that anything said can be used against the individual in court, and the right to have a defense attorney present during interrogation. American police officers now routinely read prisoners their Miranda constitutional rights before questioning. On June 14, 1775, the first U.S. military service, the Continental Army, consisting of six companies of riflemen, was established by the Second Continental Congress. George Washington was appointed by a unanimous vote to command the army. On June 14, 1777, 
John Adams introduced a resolution before Congress mandating a United States flag, stating that the flag of the 13 United States shall be 13 stripes, alternate red and white, that the Union be 13 stars, white on a blue field, representing a new constellation. This anniversary is celebrated each year in the U.S. as Flag Day. On June 14, 1922, Warren G. Harding became the first U.S. president to broadcast a message over the radio. The event was the dedication of the Francis Scott Key Memorial in Baltimore, Maryland. On June 14, 1951, UNIVAC-1, the world's first commercial electronic computer, was unveiled in Philadelphia. It was installed at the Census Bureau and utilized a magnetic tape unit as a buffer memory. On June 15th in the year 1215, King John set his seal to the Magna Carta, the first charter of British liberties guaranteeing basic rights that have since become the foundation of modern democracies around the world. On June 18, 1812, after much debate, the U.S. Senate voted 19 to 13 in favor of a declaration of war against Great Britain, prompted by Britain's violation of America's rights on the high seas and British incitement of Indian warfare on the western frontier. The next day, President James Madison officially proclaimed the U.S. to be in a state of war. The War of 1812 lasted over two years and ended with the signing of the Treaty of Ghent in Belgium on December 24, 1814. On June 20, 1782, the U.S. Congress officially adopted the Great Seal of the United States of America. On June 26, 1945, the United Nations Charter was signed in San Francisco by 50 nations. The Charter was ratified on October 24, 1945. Okay, here's a couple of jokes. Only a genealogist views a step backwards as progress. I used to have a lot of free time. Then I discovered genealogy. Get a drink of tea. Love Twining's Tea. As I mentioned before, you can email us anytime at preservationoaks at gmail.com. Preservation Oaks is available for listeners on nearly all podcast platforms, Facebook, YouTube, and Odyssey. On our next episode of Preservation Oaks, we'll be meeting with Cindy Mayer, the Iowa State Coordinator of Iowa GenWeb. They have a fantastic service they offer to people researching their genealogy. There are volunteers and an Iowa GenWeb site for each county in Iowa, and Cindy is the leader of those teams. Iowa GenWeb is part of U.S. GenWeb. They provide free genealogy records online. It'll be a fun and interesting episode, learning more about what they do and their mission. For this episode, we greet Mike Waddell, the Vice President of the Muscatine County Genealogical Society located in Muscatine, Iowa. If you're a resident in the local area, this episode will help you understand what the society has to offer, what their needs are, as well as how you can participate and support them by becoming a member, volunteering, and donating as they grow into the future for the people of the county. Here's a brief biography of our guest. Mike Waddell has been involved with genealogy research and family history for over 35 years. Soon after marrying his wife, his father-in-law asked if they would help him research his family. His father-in-law was an only child, lost his mother as a child, knew of only one first cousin, and wanted to leave a family history legacy to his children. 
This first research project developed Mike's deep love of genealogy and family history. He's been researching ever since. In the years that followed, he's collected large amounts of family lore and documents. Mike has written several family history books and assisted countless cousins to develop strategies to break down their research brick walls. As his genealogical database has grown in size and depth, he's also assisted many cousins to untangle unexpected DNA discoveries. Almost six years ago, Mike moved to Muscatine County, Iowa to become the financial controller at the Bear Crop Science Plant. To become more integrated in the local community, he joined the Muscatine County Genealogical Society. And three years ago, he was elected to the vice president position. His goal for the MCGS is to increase membership and improve genealogical knowledge for the membership. Welcome to the program, Mike. Good afternoon. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you here. What can you tell us about the history of Muscatine County? Well, you know, Muscatine is one of the older communities of Iowa. I mean, we're right on the, the Mississippi River. We're actually at the one spot on the Mississippi here in Iowa where the river goes east to west, not north to south. So it's kind of a unique situation we have here. But we were one of the first locations really settled here on the on the Mississippi. The, the location that was actually, if you really look at it, the first people that came here was Colonel George Davenport, which is a city just north of us is named Davenport. And he came in around 1833. The area was settled roughly in the summer of 1836. It went through a couple name changes at the beginning. First, it was Newburgh, and then eventually became Bloomington. Well, Bloomington created some problems because down the river from us, we have a city of Burlington. Postmail was getting confused between the two cities. And eventually, <laughs> and there was also some issues with Illinois, a, a city in Illinois, which is Bloomington, Illinois. Okay. So they decided to change the name to Muscatine. It's actually a derivative of one of the local Indian tribes that we had here. Oh, that's cool. What can you tell us about the history of industry and businesses of the county and what attracted the people to settle there? Well, originally it was, you know, was, we were on the river, so you would have trade that would occur on the river. Over time, it was definitely agriculture. You would have had some land that would have been dedicated to lumber that's here on the river. But the big thing that really kind of changed the economy here were mussels. So these would be shellfish mussels that grew in the Mississippi River. Oh, wow. One of the things that's really, really unique is that because of the way the river bend occurred here and the, the, the turbulence of the water, it was a great breeding ground for these large mussel shells. Well, a German came here and he found that he was a button maker back in Germany. He found that these shells were better than the saltwater water shells that he worked with to create buttons. In the 1880s, 1870s, till early 1920s, thereabout, until the invention of plastics, we were the primary area of the, of the world producing buttons for your, your shirts and pants and everything else. Oh, wow. You know, what really hurt us in some ways is when the mechanical washers came about, that then buttons would break a little easier. But literally billions and billions of muscle shells were made in what called little blanks. And then eventually it was like a household industry here where little families could, you know, either drill the blanks or sand out the muscle shells to make little buttons. And to this day, depending on where you walk, even in my own backyard, which is, you know, a mile and a half away from the river, I can still find muscle shells with little circles in them where the blanks were drilled out. So you'll still see the, the remnants of these, all these shells all over town. 
That's fantastic. And can you still get mussels at the local restaurants? Well, I, I don't think they're really for they're that edible. They're actually quite large. They're probably the size of a small dessert plate. If you were to find, you know, the, the appropriate size and there's not as many in the river today as there was in the past, just because of the way the river is, you know, we now have a river system that is lock and dam. So you don't get quite the movement of water that would have been beneficial to the clams. All right. I'd probably recommend not to eat them here in, in, on this part of the, the Mississippi River, but it is a beautiful, beautiful spot here here in Muscatine, right on the, the Mississippi River. It's gorgeous. And then eventually, there. oh, it is It is really pretty area right here. Where, where, you know, there's a lot of woods still on, on the banks, and we do have trails here where you can walk the riverfront and stuff like that. But eventually, you know, that, that business slow, slowly faded away as plastics were invented. And then we have quite a few, you know, from a from Iowa standpoint, for the city of our size, we're around 25,000 people. The county, I think, is we're roughly around a little over 40,000. But we have Han Manufacturing, or H&I. They're one of the nation's largest makers of office furniture. We also have Bandeg. They're a company that retreads uh, industrial tires for, like, trucking industry. And they're actually, I think, the leading uh, maker of that in the United States. A unique one that most people have never heard of is Musco Lighting. So if you go to any sports professional sports stadium around the world, you will probably see their lighting. They do a vast majority of the uh, major stadiums around the world for the lighting oh, at wow. night. And they've done a nice job. One of the things, I'll give them a little plug, even though I don't work for them. They designed lighting for our bridge here that crosses the river from Iowa to Illinois right here in Muscatine and have designed this beautiful lighting scheme. So we get a lit bridge with every color of the rainbow, depending <laughs> on the theme or what's going on. So if you're ever in Muscatine at night, winter, spring, fall, or summer, it's a beautiful thing to see. Wow. Well, and then we, have, then we have Bear uh, Crop Science here, which is where I work at. And then another big company is Kent Foods. They're a, a global company that handles food manufacturing, feed, specialty ingredients. GPC, which is a, a very large ethanol plant here that's okay. t- tied to Kent Feeds. We do have quite a bit of industry here, and the city has been quite successful because of it. You guys have barge traffic going up and down the river? Yes, we do. Yes. And actually, Cargill is located here. And so they actually have a barge unloading facility here. Oh, nice. And GPC, which is the ethanol maker, actually does a lot of barge traffic, too. So you're the vice president of the Muscatine County Genealogical Society. What can you tell us about your society? What's the history? We've been around now for close to 50 years. We were actually talking about at our last uh, meeting, when do we hit our 50th anniversary? And I think it's in a couple more years. So we've been around here. We are a nonprofit. And the one thing I would say is that, you know, the Muscatine County Genealogical Society was organized to assist individuals in their genealogical research. We are a nonprofit whose aim is to really foster an interest in genealogy, gather and preserve local genealogy and historical data. We're actually fairly, I would say, regional for our area. And what I mean by regional, we'll say most of it is eastern Iowa, like we're located here on the river and some of the surrounding counties. We have, you know, roughly 25 to 35 members in any given year. And we probably, if you were to show up at our monthly meetings, we'll probably have between 15 and 25 members that will show up to discuss what's going on in their lives and potential questions that they may have or where they have brick walls and is there anyone that can help them that's, you know, experienced something similar and hopefully, you know, help each other out, you know, using all our knowledge. It works usually better than trying to always do it yourself. Somebody might have a, a quicker idea or have a database that you're unaware of that might help you in your research. So the monthly meetings, they're open to anyone? 
Yes. Actually, if you were to show up here in Muscatine, you definitely can show up to the first meeting for free and, you know, introduce yourself. One thing is we are probably the least expensive uh, genealogical society in Iowa. At this time, a single membership is only $5 oh, and wow. a household is seven fifty. Now, me personally, I think we need to evaluate that. I think that cost has probably been the same for the last 20 years. I think we need to, especially with today's inflation, might have to take a look at that to see if we need to bump up our rates a little bit. But again, from an affordability factor, this is very affordable, even if we were to increase our rates. So, oh, yeah, again, great. First membership, first meeting is always free. And if you want to join, we'd love to have you. Fantastic. Now, when you say first meeting is always free, so subsequent meetings, you know, I would have to pay. Yeah, we would encourage somebody to buy the annual membership. Okay. Like, again, I said, it's only $5. So if you wanted to say, hey, is this this type of organization something I would like to do? We can, you know, you can go to it. We also have our meetings on Zoom simultaneously. Oh, good. So if somebody can't make it here or doesn't live here, we can definitely hook them in via Zoom so they can participate. Oh, that's fantastic. Embracing technology. That's great. We're, we're trying. Like I think with any organization, we have people that are pushing harder than others and others that are, you know, maybe not ex experienced. But, you know, I know when, when COVID hit, I was the one that was really pushing to go on, be it uh, Zoom or something similar to that. So I would sit down and work with my different colleagues here, or different members, and see if I could work with them over the phone to get them hooked in so we could get them experienced to start using that. I would say demographically, we're a little skewed to the older side and people that have not had as much experience as I have in the day-to-day -day world using meetings such as Zoom. That was a good call because most organizations had to do that. It was just something you had to do. You had no contact with the public. Yeah, like like I said, some of our people are on the little older side, and we definitely want to make sure that you know they're not just stuck at home, and that they could continue to have contact with us and continue with their hobby, and not feel that they're left out and alone. So I'm glad we really did it. I mean, I think we had a little fits and starts when we first started, just trying to get people used to which buttons to click and how to get moving on it. But I would say everyone's pretty much a pro nowadays. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I love your town. You know, I go through the town on Google Earth and it's just great. I really love your courthouse. Are there tours inside of that? The courthouse was built around 1907. I don't believe we have formal tours of the uh, facility, but I bet you could find somebody who works there or that, that'd be willing to tell you where to go and how to walk through it. I've been there when I've had to participate as a juror. So I always found a, a pretty interesting site, you know, to walk inside. It's it's definitely a, I would say, a very classic Midwestern courthouse that's right on the the main grounds here in the downtown area, right behind the courthouse. One of the things that's really interesting us from the Muscatine Genealogical Society is that we have probably one of the first jails that we had here that was right next to the courthouse. It was oh, built in the eighteen late eighteen fifties. And it used to be part of the city structure here, as I understand it, and the city no longer needed that building. So we're trying to get the, you know, the local historical society to refurbish that. And we would love to have a spot in that new jail if that's something that, you know, again, that's a wish list for us. Oh, that but it might be, be a great spot for us to, you know, to use some of the old historical buildings here and be able to store some of our information or at least be able to have meetings there or, you know store additional information that we current, can't store currently because we don't have a permanent establishment. If I'm someone researching my family lineage in the county, are there any records at the courthouse that your society doesn't have or have copies of? Do people need to spend time in the courthouse? 
We typically would always recommend, and again, one thing I'll give a little plug here is our president, Lynn McCleary, has done a phenomenal job organizing our website to show a lot of the local history. That is probably a, a great first step to find local information. And we have made some digital copies of old books that might not be at the library that our local art museum has. We do have an art museum here in Muscatine. Again, that website would be a great start. The one thing that we do is that if somebody needs some help, if they contact us through our website, we do have people that will volunteer to go see if what they can find. If it becomes a fairly extensive request, there's a good chance they might be charged for it. I would always say that we try to help out whoever calls and that we really want to make sure that you know we can at least show them the right direction where to go to find the information they're looking for. The one thing that's kind of unique that we have at our society is years ago that the county had digitalized or I said microfilmed all their their wills and probate records. Yeah. And they were going to throw away the originals since they had microfilmed them and we oh. asked to have them. So if you have a family member or an ancestor that had probate here in Muscatine County, we may have the original and we sell those originals to help fundraise for our our society here. Oh, those are gold. Those are just so gold. So if you have a family member that died in the 1840s here, we may actually have the original records. And kind of on the first come, first serve, if you if we still have that record, we will charge you per page and it's usually a really reasonable fee. Yeah, and those are those are just gold because they have references uh, yeah. to other family members. They have signatures. Wonderful. Well, the, they'll be more clear too than the original microfilm copies because you'll you know, the microfilm is going to be in black and white, and these will be in the shades of color that, that they originally were written in. So you actually might get a better copy than what you could find online or at the archives or at the microfilm that you would have to go to the courthouse to get. Well, that's a good point. Uh, just for listeners' information, the website is iagenweb.org backslash muscatine, and that'll get you there. And it's a great website, well-organized. Yep, and it's constantly being updated. So it's one that Lynn, like I said, our president, Lynn McCleary, has done a phenomenal job with the help of some of our other members to really update and add additional information that once we hear of something, we'll put out. I know at least probably a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, we had an 800-page document from the art history and that they gave us as a PDF. We I converted it through OCR software to text. And we had a couple members edit it, and now that's all on online. Wow. Nice. So as we find more information that might be unique or where it can't be found anywhere else, we, we try to put those, those things on our, on our website. Hey, Mike, can you provide the audience with an overview of the communities you serve? Since you're a county organization, you have a number of cities and unincorporated places. Um, can yep. you tell us about that? Yeah, so we we are really kind of looking at all of Muscatine. Muscatine is really the uh, the county seat, and that's where a vast majority of the people would be living. So we have, you know, Wilton is a small village north of us to the northwest. We have West Liberty, and we're, you know, one of the things that's interesting about West Liberty, they have a fairly large Hispanic population. So I know that one of our members is working with their local library to see if they can offer some genealogy courses and maybe even tailor it to the Hispanic population then to get oh, that's some great. diversity to, for, for them to look at their their history. You know, again, we have, uh, if you look at the county, a vast majority of it, and this is where I'm going to be a little weak here because, again, I'm I'm not a native here. I, I hate to say it, if 
when you come to come to our society, it's interesting when you hear how many generations many of our family members or our, our membership has lived here. I'm, we'll just say five and a half years here, and we have many people are five, six generations deep here in Muscatine. But any of the, those are probably the two or the bigger cities that we, that we have here in Muscatine. And then we would, again, work with all the different townships that where we have a much more rural population that we provide information for. That's very cool. What about your background? How did you get to Muscatine County and vice president of the Genealogical Society? I, I had a job opportunity here to become the financial controller. At the time, it was Monsanto, and which is really the seed. And what we make here are the crop protection herbicides that support our seed business. Eventually, within about a year after moving down here, we were bought by Bayer, the pharmaceutical company out of Germany. So like Bayer Aspirin. If you're in Germany, it would be Bayer, but we'll, we'll pronounce it the, uh, the American way. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I became the uh, financial controller and the what was called site services business unit leader. So I uh, had some other operations that also reported through me. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy about Bayer and historically even Monsanto was in being engaged in the local community. Genealogy was always a, a, a deep, deep passion for me. And I thought, well, you know, I don't know much about the county and I, I don't know much about, I'm just trying to learn my way to, to get around this the town here. So I found that they had a, a genealogical society that I thought might be a great opportunity for me to con- connect with the the, uh, the locals and also learn more about, you know, what they their takes on genealogy. I did have some distant ancestry that lived in Muscatine over 100 years ago. So I thought it would be interesting just to get connected up and continue my passion for genealogy on, on the lo- at the local level. What a great background. Have you always lived in the Midwest? Yep. I grew up in the uh, Twin Cities up in Minnesota. Nice. And you've already mentioned so, the mission and objectives of your society. What's coming up on the horizon? I guess, what are your goals for 2022? What are our goals? For me, it's always, I really want to make sure that we do our best to grow the organization. So one of the things that we did, and this is kind of a more of a happenstance, is that when I first joined the society here, there was a couple of members and I, we were chatting away about our families. And one of them said, are you related? And I mentioned a line and she said, are you Mike Waddell? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Mike Waddell. And she <laughs> says, I think we might be related. So she had heard my name and some of her research. And then we found out that we were third cousins. So it was kind of a, you know, it's a small world, you could say. Yeah. And so my cousin, Anne, and I, I would give her a lot of credit for starting the class workup, but we had a class here at our local library. It was six sessions, you know, an hour each that we wanted to, you know, start working with new members, get the word out that we exist and to, you know, again, to get the local population, more people involved in genealogy. And it was, a, it was a, I consider it a great success. A lot, again, goes to my cousin, Ann. That gives, she gets a lot of the credit for it because she, she was the one that did most of the legwork, but we both taught, you know, alternating classes and we were able to get another five or six new members to our society. And demographically, I'd like to have a, a whole gamut from people that are past retirement to a couple or some people that might have young children at home or I'm middle aged so that we could really get a different perspective. And we all bring a different lens on how we approach genealogy. And I think having that diversity of thought would be a benefit to all of us to just having, especially the new members, they come in with, you know, blank slates and they don't have biases. You know, I, I when I started, it was still on microfilm looking one, you know, one slide at a time and, oh, right. and having some of the newer people 
or the younger folks coming in, they're going to be bringing a different lens and technology opportunities that we might be able to expand for our entire membership. That is a great vision. I know that you mentioned you're in discussions regarding the old jail and having some space there. What kind of refurbishment needs to happen for you to utilize the old jail? Well, I think that, you know, we, we know that the, I think the biggest problem is going to be, you know, again, because it's almost 170 some years old, that it's going to be making sure that it, it you know, the roof is repaired and that, that it has a usable workspace. I think we need to still develop a vision that what would be stored there, you know, would it be historical items from Muscatine itself or some of the historical figures that may have lived here? Ideally, I think we've always kept in the back of our mind, you know, it'd be a great spot for us to start building a library of some sort that might be specialized for us that might have some of our old newsletters that we have purchased from other locations or that we subscribe to maybe family county histories that that might be more appropriate to be stored there. So I think it's just, you know, that it's, it's on the wish list, you know, we'll, we'll see where things go, but it's one that we thought would be, we've had some people reach out to us to ask, Hey, would this be something that would work? Well, the one problem for us is we don't have a lot of funds. Like I think most genealogical societies, especially if you're in a smaller community, but you know, we're, we're trying to keep our name out there and we do have some fairly sizable foundations here locally that, you know, we'll see where that eventually goes. But I think it's a great opportunity to retain some of the local history of our area because there, there's some definitely, you know, you know, people may not know that, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, I should probably say for some folks, his brother was, I believe, the local editor of our our newspaper that's still in existence here. So Samuel Clemens would spend some time here with his brother on vacations or visits, probably before he became a big author. One of the things that he always commented on that the city kind of plays on, it's even part of our logo, is there's beautiful sunsets in Muscatine. We were driving home last night from walking our dog and we were looking at the the reds and the oranges and it was like, man, we do have nice sunsets here. So (laughs) it's one that it's a really pretty area. What a rich culture. That's fantastic. So that's where I was going, exactly where your mind went, which is it's going to take some funding to get some of this done. What kind of funding model supports your society? Uh, right now, I mean, our society is being primarily funded through membership dues. Okay. Uh, we do have a few donations that we'll receive annually. And then again, the money that we we do receive a little bit of monthly money from our documents that we sell, that where people find that we may have their great-grandfather's will or, or probate records. So we're just trying to, you know, we make a little bit of money that way. And we also kick a lot of that money back into the community. We do give some donations to the local libraries. We do have occasionally memorials for prior members that may have passed away that we donate in their name in one way or another. So it's, again, we don't have a lot of money coming in, but we don't have a lot of money coming out, but we'll have to evaluate what, what's on the horizon and decide as a, as a group, you know, how to best fund future endeavors and where do we want to go with how we look at our money. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of opportunity there. There's a lot of interest, you know, again, that that's, I would say that's kind of where I would like to lean. We're always open to other ideas and maybe it might not be the greatest opportunity at this moment. There might be something else, but we're, we'll have some, I'm sure some interesting discussions in the months and years to, to come forward. You bet. And what kind of fundraising activities, like, do you have annual events? That's probably a pretty good idea to take a look at those things. At this time, we probably could do a better job at that. To, to find ways to do additional funding, be it, you know, maybe something at the county fair that I think 
might be an opportunity to take a look at. Oh, yeah, you know, Would we want to teach a class there where there's more people all at once? So right now you don't have a facility, but you have records and a lot of them, you know, are online on your website. That's far ahead of some other yep. societies. So where does someone research in the community? Well, if you were to research, depending on the type of records you're looking for, we do have a, a really quite unique uh, library. It's in an old refurbished warehouse okay. that used to be that used to be the Han headquarters. So they donated that to the city. And it's, you know, it's got the old brick and old beams. And we do have a lot of county histories, you know, fairly sizable history section at the library itself. The county courthouse, which is literally probably 100 feet away, you could just walk there. And there's a lot of records there that would be available for research. We have our own county, our own genealogical society. We do have different members that have stored some records in their, their own houses, you know, like the uh, probate records we do have. What's, we have a little museum here on the main street on second. That's the Pearl button museum. They have some of our records stored in the basement. If oh, there was nice. ever something that might be down there to take a look at, I, I would definitely want to make sure we talk to our membership president, Lynn McCleary to see if what there might be availability there. But I would say if you're going to do some research here, you definitely want to make sure you're going to the library and the County courthouse, depending on what you're looking for specifically. And we do have some fairly sizable local cemeteries that might have some additional information or at least the uh, the the stones that you might be looking for to confirm if you have an ancestor buried there of some sort. Yeah, that's very cool. So listeners, the hours, uh, any holiday or special closures will be determined by the hours of the library. What's, Same with the courthouse. What's the name of the library? Musser. Musser. The Musser Library. M-U-S-S-E-R. Okay. And you can find it online. So if you want to plan a, a research visit to Muscatine County, that's the place to start. And they're probably familiar with the Genealogical Society, right? Yep. They have, they have actually, we had some people sit in that were actually library employees that sat in our uh, local or most recent education class that we had. So uh, there was definitely a few people that are quite versed in that. If, if they don't know, there should be one or two people at the library. And the library does have some, you know, different computers that have, I think we have an ancestry version. I know we have all the local newspapers have been digitalized and those can be accessed at the library. So if you want to get 150 years worth of the Muscatine Journal, that would be there. And then some of the other papers that may not have lasted as long. So there's definitely some great newspaper library or records here. That's a great At resource. our local library. So, Mike, I'm sorry to interrupt. It's time for our first break for a few minutes. Great talking to you, Sean. Nice talking to you, too. Uh, listeners, we'll pick up where we left off right after these important messages. You're listening to Preservation Oaks with Sean Thomas Radcliffe, the program where there's always something new. Remember that feeling of wonder when you uncovered something fascinating about your ancestors for the very first time? 
The great people at the Muscatine County Genealogical Society, located in Muscatine, Iowa, are helping family researchers bring the past back to life. Their goal is to make this kind of feeling possible for other family researchers and add some of the culture of Muscatine County. Be a part of the future by volunteering and supporting the Muscatine County Genealogical Society. For contact information and much more, visit their website at iagenweb.org backslash muscatine and learn about this valuable local nonprofit organization. Donate and become a member today. You'll have fun, meet some great people with similar interests and move your research into the future. This is Sonia Costin of the rural Woodbury County Historical Society, and I love listening to Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. I'd like to talk about volunteering, especially as a way to help your growing family. As we all know, there are a million things to accomplish and only 24 hours a day to do so. Many people have no idea how to find time to commit to their local museum, cultural, historical, or genealogical society. But it's a valuable investment in the community and your family on many levels and something that you'll need to make work to realize the benefits. Why does it matter to you personally to get involved in your community? Well, if you're a business leader, it's important to keep your finger on the pulse of the local business community. By doing so, you not only do your part to support local causes, but also stay aware of opportunities to grow your company. While there are a variety of ways to accomplish this, including social media, newspapers, television, social circles and networking, there is no better way than to build relationships by engaging yourself in these valuable organizations within the community. However, if you're raising a family and seeking to train your kids in the life lesson, quote, to do well for your community by doing good, unquote, then it's imperative to immerse yourself and your family in helping the community and having fun while doing so. Maybe you've wondered, how can I volunteer in my community, but still have a lot of fun? If so, being a volunteer at a museum, cultural, historical, or genealogical society could be for you. You'll find great opportunities to work with children in order to pass on knowledge and history. Not only do you get to teach the next generation of kids some valuable life skills and information, but you also get to enjoy the activities while teaching them. Volunteers typically help guide visitors, answer questions, answer phones, perform research, help file, work with children, and a huge number of other things that keep the society running smoothly. You also get to attend the events and learn more about your community so that you can pass this on to your family and friends. Your family will get a sense of belonging, a sense of place. For those who say they don't have time to volunteer, time is secondary. People with a family and other obligations can generally give just a few hours a week. You don't have to volunteer for hours and hours of time. You can start by micro-volunteering with a shift between one to two hours. These societies host a variety of fun activities to bring members and non-members together. These organizations are non-profit organizations, meaning that they have very few staff members on the payroll and rely on volunteers to assist with the rest of their activities. There are always things to do, and if you strike up a conversation with any of them, they'll be happy to help you find something that you will love doing and that helps your family and community. It's an exalted feeling to volunteer your talent, plus the people you spend your time with and the experiences you gain are invaluable. There are literally thousands of people from all walks of life who volunteer their time, energy and resources to museums, cultural, historical and genealogical societies all across the country. If you enjoy books and quiet, the research library is the perfect place for you to volunteer. 
You will get to organize books and perform research tasks to help others document their lineage. You can be involved in digitizing records and photographs. You can enter records into a database or help the curator. These societies can offer many different activities for you to engage and help by doing something you love. Museums, cultural, historical, and genealogical societies generally work closely with community members, schools, and businesses. They often host events and fundraisers to bring information to the public and improve the success of the area. You can help improve your community by giving back to these organizations that make your community a better place to live. One of the most beneficial and perhaps underrated perks of starting your volunteer journey is the example it sets for those around you. Within your circle, volunteering is phenomenal for the wellness of your community, as you're demonstrating that helping is a core value. From your family members and friends to anyone else in your circle, your efforts to make the time and commit to your community won't go unnoticed. They will set a positive tone in your circle and instill a sense of direction throughout their lives because they will be at the heart of the community. Please consider volunteering with your family today. You'll be glad you did. This is Batman. This year for his birthday or Father's Day, Dad doesn't want another tool. He does not want your picture in a frame. He does not want some device that trims unwanted hair from his body. He does not want anything that makes more honeydew work for him. He does not want anything made in class at 4-H or Boy Scouts. He does not want anything ritzy-ditzy technical from a magazine for people who like 007. He does not want a book he'll never read. And he does not want a gift card. This year, give Dad a gift of history at your local museum, cultural and heritage institution, historical and genealogical society. You can get Dad a membership and the phone number so he can have somewhere to volunteer to make a difference and spend some time helping the community and learning. Give him something for him. If you're a historical or genealogical society listening to Preservation Oaks, and you'd like to be a guest on the program, please email preservationoaks at gmail.com. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and we're here today with Mike Waddell from the Muscatine County Genealogical Society located in Muscatine, Iowa. For this segment, we'll review the society's role in the community, what kinds of outreach and events and education. We've already covered some of that. We want to keep going on this wonderful journey of learning more about this society in your area. So, Mike, what kinds of outreach and education? You mentioned an education class, and I thought that was really brilliant to meet your goal of getting more members. What other things does the society do in the community? We do have a few members that are very passionate about maintaining their family pioneer cemeteries. I know that we had one recently that's up in the bluffs here on the 
western side of the Muscatine County that had, you know, the, the cemetery. I don't think anyone's been buried in there in over 100 years, and it's in the middle of a woods near a, some farms, and they were cleaning that up. So we do have some members that are really passionate about, you know, again, maintaining the pioneer cemeteries here as best as they can. We do have the, a cemetery tour that we do every year that are one of our larger cemeteries. And I know that we, I think a couple of our members have written the script on to talk about what we do at the cemetery. So there's some other things that we do within the community to, to reach out, but the education, I think we saw some success on that and we're looking at, can we do it more frequently or at a different one of the other county libraries that might be able to get people to, to be interested in joining our society, or at least being able to contribute more frequently to the growth of genealogy or, knowledge within the community. Fantastic. On the website, events in Muscatine County, the website is Visit Muscatine, the official website. I noticed there was a Greenwood Cemetery Walk. Yep, that was the one that I was kind of referencing. We have a handful of members that are very passionate about that, the Greenwood Cemetery. And again, they have written the script. I think Lynn McCleary, our president, has been deeply involved in that. Occasionally, we'll hear about vandalism and how do we fix that at the cemetery, but it's a very pretty spot within the up in the bluffs, the upper bluffs of our city here. And some local people of importance were buried up there. And if you want to see a beautiful old town cemetery, fairly large compared to many, that would be a great one to visit. I tell you, I love visiting cemeteries when there's someone who knows it intimately and is sort of an expert. It just brings so much history to life. Well, and we have quite a few of our membership that have family members buried there. That Greenwood Cemetery has a, some fairly large monuments in there that are quite interesting. Very cool. Are burials still occurring in Greenwood? I believe we still have burials going on in Greenwood. Part of achieving your goal, getting more members is making sure that the community is always informed and involved in the progress of the society. How do you do that? We have both newspapers or publications. We have Discover Muscatine and the Muscatine Journal. They have a community calendar. So we make sure that we put that information out on that calendar and we have it every month and where to go and the time and the place and how you can contact our society to find out more information because we know that everyone has different needs and wants. You may have a family member or somebody that's like, you know what? I know my family came out of Roman Skirch in Germany and I'm going to be over there. Maybe I could plan a, a historical tour or an ancestral tour. How would I go about that? Or somebody that's just starting out or somebody that kind of found, okay, I'm, you know, I like to do it on my own, but I have a problem. I'm, I got my mom and dad's genealogy. What do I do with it? So, you know, hopefully through the advertisement that we have on our community calendar, we can get people that may have a situation, you know, and how do they handle it? And again, we have a lot of people that have a lot of different viewpoints and ideas and experiences that we might be able to help solve their problem or at least give them a better idea how to move forward on something. That sounds great. Thank you for that. What kinds of volunteer opportunities does your society have for members? Well, I can tell you that we always seem to have some kind of document that needs to be transcribed or edited or something like that. I know that there's a lot of new information that seems to be going up on the web page. We had an a interesting query from Germany maybe four or five months ago where a person that really found out that they had a lot of, we'll say, cousins that emigrated to the Muscatine area and they were willing to offer if these families are still around, I have the, the European record side 
of all their ancestry. Can oh, I, is there a way that we can hook up into some of the, the people that may not know that they are related to me and I have history going back to the 1500s and would love to share it. You have so, a lot you know, of cooperation put, in your community. I've noticed that and just the information you've released. I, I would say yes. I would Coming from a big city or what I would consider a big city, the Twin Cities, which is bigger than the entire state of Iowa, coming to here, I don't want to stereotype a small town, they look out for each other. Yeah. And they know that the success of our community is making sure everybody pulls in the right direction. And yeah, we may at times disagree with each other and we may even sometimes fight a little bit, but I think that we all have the same goal in mind is to make a, the community really good that we live in. And, and I'd say even the companies are all aligned very similar and you'll, you'll see a lot of events here that you'll see almost the whole city come out to celebrate something or just enjoy a nice evening on the river with it where there might be a band and some music. So. Yeah, it really sounds like it. I bet in your time as vice president of the society, you're really getting to know the local community groups, the theater groups. What kinds of interesting books has your society digitized and transcribed? I know that we had one that would like different types of excerpts from, I think it was Columbus Junction, which is one of the smaller cities nearby. And it was like 800 pages with odd facts. And we digitalized that. There's such a diverse collection of information. The website would definitely be a spot I would go to. I know that we have a member right now looking at some of the local newspapers and pulling out all the notices of funerals so they can put a consolidated list on our website of all the different funeral information. We have a member. She has been working on identifying all the county schools that were in the rural communities for the last since you know, for over the last 150 years, where were they located? What were their years of operation? And they're putting signs by each one of them with a QRO code that you can scan with your cell phone Ooh, and it will neat. tell you the history of that particular the country school. So, you know, adding some additional information that if your great grandma went to a country school and you knew the name of it, you could actually find the spot where your grandma went to school, even though it may today be just a plain farm field. Seeing that information put together, I, I see the genealogical value of it is if you can identify where your family members went to school, you know the kids probably were within a mile or two of that location. We have some people here that are pretty knowledgeable that are past, and how can they apply that knowledge to other endeavors within the community? I want to remind the listeners how to connect with the society. Of course, you can find the society on Facebook. Just look for Muscatine County Genealogical Society. Their website is iagenweb.org backslash muscatine. You can mail them at 906 Sunrise Circle, Muscatine, Iowa, 52761. There's a couple phone numbers. The first one is 563-264-1495, and that's for President Lynn McCleary, or 651-261-9670, and that's the Vice President Mike Waddell. Their email is ebmcleary, that's E-B-M-C-C-L-E-A-R-Y, at mocklink.com. That's M-A-C-H-L-I-N-K dot com. Perfect. All right. And again, look at the website. We do have ways for people to connect up with us. You should be able to reach somebody that should be able to get back to you fairly quickly. Thank you for that, Mike. What kind of things are available to do on the website? We've referenced it a couple of times, but what can people enjoy there? Oh, boy. there It is very inclusive of a lot of information. It has county histories from the 1870s. I think there's ones from the 1880s. 
It has our township information. It has family histories. If somebody has information that they think that would be relevant, I'm pretty confident Lynn will find a spot for it. So it's, it's one that it's fairly inclusive on, on schools. It's got pretty much any kind of little subject matter you may be looking for to get additional information, and it's all searchable at the same time, too. Yeah, well-maintained. How does somebody become a member? How do I join? Well, it's actually fairly easy. So, again, I would go to the website and contact Lynn McCleary. Uh, she can definitely get your information. And once we get your $5 or $7.50 you're going to do for a family, we can definitely hook you into the Zoom if that's where, if you're living outside our area, or we can definitely give you the information, like I said, at Discover Muscatine or the community calendars on the Muscatine Journal. That will have our information because our actually this month's meeting is going to be this this Saturday at one o'clock. Oh, cool! And we usually have those at the Iowa State University Extension Office here on sixteen oh one Plaza Street in Muscatine. They start promptly at one, but we kind of leave it open. So sometimes they may end at two, sometimes may end up at three, depending on how chatty the group is. What's the best way or the easiest way, I guess, for members of the public or members to donate to the society? So if somebody wanted to donate, go to the website and you'll find our address and we'll gladly take any money you want to send us. Yay. And by the way, folks, the membership is $5. The family membership is $7.50. But that doesn't mean that you can't pay more and just become a member. We'd love to have anyone. All members would be welcomed. We Again, I think everyone brings a, a little different idea on, on where things should go. And we're always open to hear new ideas and new opportunities that maybe we've not taken advantage of or things that we can offer our, our local community and our membership to advance their genealogy or family history. Well, I tell you, you're really pushing the needle to move the society to support some of the Hispanic population, to bring the society into current methods and technology. What are initiatives or needs of the society that you want people of your area to know about and support? The needs I think that we really want to, to do is, you know, hearing from our local membership or our local community is what are we not doing that we could do better? A great step in the right direction was to create those classes to introduce people to genealogy to show it's not quite what they may have heard from their parents, which is looking through microfilm. Technology has offered us leaps and bounds of ease of finding information, connecting up with other family members. We have a handful of people that are really like doing DNA. I love looking at DNA. I, I have a fairly, you know, I've been doing it for 35 years. And I think my latest count is 11 cousins that had unexpected oh, cool. DNA results. Yeah. So helping them find out how they were related to either myself or my wife's lines. That's always been really fun. So I think for us is what can we do that we may not be seeing today that we could help out, you know, other people to learn more about their families. And I, I think that we're becoming better and better at the technology and offering some opportunities for folks that will hopefully make their life a little bit more interesting and rich, finding the, the long lost history that they may not have been aware of and the interesting family lore that they can either confirm or deny. And, and, you know, for me, it's what I have found that is that I've helped members here. I, my, my genealogy is primarily from the you know, Northern European. So it's the English, it's German, Norwegian, and Swedish. But I've had folks here that said, hey, I'm Italian. How do I 
find my family records in the parishes or the, the small Catholic parishes of Italy. Oh, right. And for me, maybe I don't know it off the top of my head, but we were able to figure it out and get them back to their ancestral homeland villages. I've done it for somebody who was in France when I first joined the society that it was a real challenge. And it was interesting because the family information was right, but not entirely right. So it was, they kept thinking they were from one of the districts, which was like, we'll call their state. And they they were actually a neighboring state or district in France, but they were about 500 meters from the border and they affiliated with the bigger city across the, the border. Oh, wow. So that, it, that caused some problems. It'd be no different in Muscatine. If you were, you know, people here might say, if you, we right across the river from us is Illinois. So if you were in a small village like Illinois city and said, well, I'm from, I'm near Muscatine. Well, you'd need to look at Illinois records to really find the family. But right. if you said I'm near Muscatine, that helps, you know, they're, they're affiliating with the larger city nearby. Oh, yes. It took me a, a while to figure that one. I'm like, when he had all this information, I'm like, oh, we should be able to figure this out. And then it took me a little bit more of a challenge. And we've done that. I've had some people that my German research enabled me to really understand, you know, the Schleswig-Holstein area. So helping them find their family, where, what villages they came from was fairly easy. And if you're Norwegian or Swedish, that's one that I really have had a lot of success with, too. So part of my, my goal is I always tell the people at every meeting, if you're still interested in getting back to the your European roots and finding out that specific village, let's work together cooperatively and see if we can nail that down. And so far, I think I've batted a thousand. So it's, you know, I always enjoy that type of research, but it's not that I'm just going to do it out of the kindness of my heart. It's like, I want to teach you so you can learn your own stuff too at the same time. And if you have other lines, why don't you see if you can figure those out? And if you can't, maybe I can offer you some advice or some ways to look at things differently to find that, that information. That's, Cause that's my passion is, is how do I get back to the, the small village in Germany or Bavaria or, or Norway and or Sweden to know, Hey, this is definitely where we came from. One of the distinct benefits of membership is that your folks, you and your society have a genuine interest in genealogy and helping people and that you're experts in the methods and the source records that people may not be aware of, and you can really help someone. As you become deeper and deeper in the records, you start to realize how little you actually know. Yeah. Because I know there's quite often I'm like, someone will point something out and they'll be, I had no idea that type of record existed or why you needed that record. So we definitely swap stories on how we found information. And, and if you're really listening, you can sometimes learn little bits and pieces that even though you may not be from that part of the world, there might be similarities to your part of the world that you that you need to explore or turn a few rocks over to see if they might be buried under the, the next nugget of information you need to, to expand your genealogy. So Yeah, very cool. I want to switch now from, from direct operational to more philosophical and try to understand your thoughts around how best to keep community support flourishing for the current generation. You, you bring up a good point is I know that even with my own daughters, you know, they're a few years out of college and it's like, yeah, yeah, dad, this is interesting. So for me, it's how can we tie in the community better? And I know that, you know, we want to keep growing it through the, the, our classes that we have. We, we believe that 
as we expose more people to the benefits of looking at their family history or just some of the, you know, knowing who you are in the past might give you an idea of who you are today. So it's really trying to find people's interests or what they're looking for. And someone might say, I, I don't want just raw facts. I just want to know more about my great grandfather, or I don't know much about this family and trying to find them and, and find that hook. What's the hook that gets them really interested and looking a little deeper. And for me, it's trying to find what people are looking in the community and seeing if we can expand what they're looking for or find that right niche that they're looking for. Because all of us get into this hobby for different reasons and what we're looking for, but it's just finding out what they're hoping to find to satisfy their needs. So speaking of how the community is looking at this, from your viewpoint, why is the society important to the community? What makes you different or unique from other societies? Well, I think we have a large segment that really loves this area and multiple generations continue to stay here. So it really keeps that connection to your past, to your the present, and hopefully into the future. So what we really want to do is find the people that really know the society. They, you know, We have quite a few people here that can talk about how the local community has changed over time and where their family farm used to be is now this plant or this facility that's operating there instead. Schools have come and gone and it's keeping that historical knowledge, that tribal knowledge of, you know, how things have changed over time that can add value to the local history. It definitely helps us weave a much more interesting tapestry here in their local community and it, it's really just finding that if you don't, you know, finding that information and making sure people appreciate what this community has to offer in the past, the present, and will hopefully continue to offer in the future. Well said. Thank you. You mentioned at one point you may have to pay for some of the services. So what services would people have to pay for and what services are free? I would always start with, you know, go to the website, our website, and say, here's my question. I'm looking for this. Now, I know a lot of the first requests, we have people that will actually travel down to the courthouse themselves. If on their, They may have another reason to go down there and they'll look some of that information up and it'll be pro bono. It, depending on how much additional information they want or if the person, depending on how much a helper or one of our researchers that I'd say it's probably more like a volunteer is willing to put in, you know, you might get additional, you might get a whole bunch of free help but if it's one that, hey, there's going to be some fees attached or I need to make a lot of copies, then the, we might be asking for, you know, some some additional funds. And that would be negotiated typically one-to-one with one of the researchers we have here, depending on what you're looking for. But again, our courthouse has all the important stuff, you know, all the vital records, the real estate transactions. We have people that actually in our genealogy society that worked at the courthouse. So they're very familiar with the where all the records are at. And again, if you're looking for probate, naturalization, there's all that information. You know, we can probably get at our county courthouse. Fantastic. The impression that I've gotten is, is great community support. I want to let listeners know once again how they can connect with the society. Of course, you can find the society on Facebook. Just look for Muscatine County Genealogical Society. Their website is iagenweb.org backslash muscatine. You can mail them at 906 Sunrise Circle, Muscatine, Iowa, 52761. There's a couple phone numbers. The first one is 
1495, and that's for President Lynn McCleary, or 651-261-9670, and that's the Vice President Mike Waddell. Their email is ebmcleary, that's E-B-M-C-C-L-E-A-R-Y, at mocklink.com. That's M-A-C-H-L-I-N-K dot com. that all sound right to you? That sounds great to me. And the one thing that's nice, if you get to the, the library here, I love to say that we have a great internet in our city. It's basically all fiber optic. So if you're looking for speed here in the local community and you're, you're, you're talking cutting edge technology here in our local community. All right. So it's, it's one that if you're looking for high speed lines at the library, we should be able to give you that information really quickly. So our technology is really solid here in the local community. Fantastic. It's better than the big city. I will even tell you that coming from the Twin Cities. And if I come for a visit, uh, you know, maybe I plan a research vacation and I come to Muscatine County, to Muscatine. Are there places to stay? Are there restaurants? We have a great selection. Actually, the Merrill Hotel here in Muscatine, which was recently built for the past several years, is designated as the number one hotel in all of Iowa. Oh, wow. So it's and you're and you have a beautiful view right over the river. Now we also have other hotels, all of them are reasonably priced. We have a lot of old restaurants, you know, businesses here on uh, in downtown. And then we also have stuff that would be out on the overpass, which is maybe three miles north of the city, which has a lot more of the bigger chains. But definitely have some great opportunities here for, for a visit. And again, we have a lot of biking trails that you can drive around on, walking trails. And definitely a lot of history. You can get up into the old mansions up on the, the bluffs. There's some absolutely gorgeous mansions here up on the uh, up on the bluffs just to the west of town. Yeah, those bluffs are downtown. Beautiful. Oh, and it's a great view. It's actually a gorgeous view up there. So, Mike, I know we've discussed a lot. You've provided a lot of great information for the listeners. Is there any other information or message you'd like the community or members to know about? We'd love to have anyone participate in any way they can. We're always looking for people that can help us out or if they have new ideas or ideas that can make us a stronger society, we'd love to hear it. Mike, reflecting just a bit, how do you think your members, the volunteers, the community, what view do they have of you and the society in terms of benefits and value? I think that the ones that are, once we can get people involved, they understand our value. They understand that we have a sincere need and want to help them out to, to really build their genealogy, their family history, to answer their questions of, you know, when did something happen or why did something happen? I think the thing that we would always struggle with is getting the word out. I think that, you know, people always think that genealogy is grandma's old grandma's hobby. And I think that they don't realize that technology has made it much more interesting and, and you can dive a lot deeper and it's just getting the word out for people to to connect up with us so we can show them the great value that you can get on understanding your past that why and it might explain why things are done in your family today the way they are done. Thank you so much for that. Mike, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's been a, it's been a great time, you know, talking to you Sean and I really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to tell you our story. I've learned so much, had a great time. I'm really glad to meet you and finding out about the excellent work you and the society do in the community. I think that's so important, and I wish you all the success in the world in growing the membership of the society 
and of course getting a new place potentially to live and providing additional services. So thank you. You're our first podcast and I've, I've been listening to podcasts for years and I think this might be another great tool for us in our local community to get more people hooked in and get you hooked on to your Preservation Oaks to really understand the value that you're bringing to our genealogy hobbies. Fantastic. And with that, we'll end our time with our guest, Mike Widell, the Vice President of the Muscatine County Genealogical Society located in Muscatine, Iowa. You can find more information about the Muscatine County Genealogical Society monthly meetings at discovermuscatine.com. Listeners, please stay tuned for my comments and wrap-up, which are coming up next. We'll be right back to Preservation Oaks with Sean Thomas Radcliffe after these important messages. Are you curious about your family's past? Are you planning a heritage trip to travel back to your roots? Whether you need help getting started or you've been researching for decades, you can get the help you need by connecting with the Muscatine County Genealogical Society located in Muscatine, Iowa. Become a member of the Muscatine County Genealogical Society and support their efforts to grow and to help make your research successful. For contact information and much more, visit their website at iagenweb.org backslash muscatine and learn more about this valuable local nonprofit organization. Donate and become a member today. With the help and expertise they can provide, you'll move your research light years ahead. Hey, here's a little something me and the gang engineered that has a message from a friend. Sort of to settle a debt. Okay, enough said. Here we go. I was encouraged to put this gentleman, using the term loosely, on the program today. His name is Joey Maglioli. He's some kind of big shot down by the river. He's been around. Knows a lot of people. Better listen to what he has to say and show the man respect. Get it? Got it? Good. Here he is. Hey, you know in New York City, almost anything I want, bada bing, bada boom, I got a guy. Well, in Muscatine, you all can say the same thing. You got a guy. His name's Mike Waddell, and he's the vice president of the Muscatine County Genealogical Society. You got a guy there who has the expertise in technology and finance. Just an excellent guy. So, bada beam, why don't you use the guy? Join the society. Have fun. Now, if you don't, I'll see you around sometime. You know what I mean? On Preservation Oaks, we understand that every museum, cultural and heritage institution, historical and genealogical society has a story to tell. And our mission is to help share that story and the value of your organization. When you appear as a guest on Preservation Oaks, you unlock and share your story with worldwide listeners.
If you're interested in being a guest on the program, send an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. We're proud to help tell your stories, one valued organization at a time. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back. When I think about the Muscatine County Genealogical Society, I see a society on the move. And that move is purposefully driven inevitably into the future, while maintaining the vital links to Muscatine County's past. Formed in 1978, the Society will be able to celebrate a half-century of service in about six years. According to Mike, the most pressing priority of the Muscatine County Genealogical Society is to grow. The president, Lynn McCleary, and her team have indeed done an excellent job on the Society's website. According to statistics regarding the popularity of genealogy, we know, for instance, that the website FamilySearch.org has 13.9 million registered users and receives 7 million page views a day. The Family Search app has millions of downloads. Likewise, Ancestry.com has over 3 million paying subscribers, gets over a billion searches monthly, and the Ancestry app has over 17 million downloads. Muscatine County having about 43,000 residents, most likely a high percentage of them are already members of Ancestry or FamilySearch.org or both. Because of the existing popularity of genealogy, it makes sense that some of the keys to growing the society seem to be communications, marketing, advertising, outreach, and membership benefits. Mike shared existing news that the Muscatine County Genealogical Society might be able to establish a permanent home in the old jail next to the county courthouse. I see the building on Google Street View, and the building might need some work to ensure it's watertight, climate-controlled, has some exhibit space, archival space, and room for a research library for the society. And there's the rub. The society needs donations volunteers, and members to take this bold new step into the future and to provide enhanced services to the community. To every one of the 43,000 people across Muscatine County, and to every foundation, club, school, or other organizations, please become a member of the Society and support them. Donate, 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 and volunteer. If the Society is able to secure a permanent home location, things will really start taking off in terms of the services they can provide for the people of the county. Think about it. Right now, the society isn't able to store their inventory of valuable records, any files regarding family histories from the area, photographs, or artifacts. Once they're able to do that, these priceless materials are going to need a safe place that is dry, climate-controlled, and protected from any other destructive risks such as fire, weather events, and so on. The last thing that can happen is for damage to occur and records to be lost forever to the people of the county. As I mentioned, the society will need to curate and archive their records, and in doing so, they'll be able to further and deepen partnerships with the local historical society, museums, and other organizations in order to help the people of the county to tell the story of their family lineage. Right now, the people in the society are really creative, driven to service to the county, and have some pretty impressive research skills. In the future, they'll need all of that, plus computers to share and access the information and a whole host of other things 
that bring excellent value to the communities the Society serves and unmistakable benefits to Society members. The Society will be in a position to use technology to benefit the people of the county. They can start a newsletter, maintain streaming communications, videos, podcasts, and many other educational opportunities for members. The Society will also be able to sponsor events to benefit the communities it serves, as well as fun activities for children and fundraising events. Right now, the Society needs the support of the entire county. This is an exciting point in time in the history of the Muscatine County Genealogical Society. In the short time Mike graciously spent educating us about the Society, my level of excitement grew into a certain confidence and hope for the Society to meet its 2022 goal of increasing membership. And I'm really looking forward to checking back with them in the future to see how the next couple of years turns out and where they stand on their 50th anniversary. As usual, there were a thousand questions I could have asked during our time together, but I didn't in the interest of time. If questions occur to you and you'd like more information, please connect with the Society. If you're a listener in the area the Society serves, or if you're a listener researching ancestors in the community the Society serves, and you're not already a member, please consider joining and supporting them. Of course, you can find the Society on Facebook. Just look for Muscatine County Genealogical Society. Their website is iagenweb.org backslash muscatine. You can mail them at 906 Sunrise Circle, Muscatine, Iowa, 52761. There's a couple phone numbers. The first one is 563-264-1495, and that's for President Lynn McCleary, or 651-261-9670, and that's the Vice President Mike Waddell. Their email is ebmcleary, that's E-B-M-C-C-L-E-A-R-Y, at mocklink.com. That's M-A-C-H-L-I-N-K dot com. Hey, I hope this information helps you understand how valuable the society is for the community and what kinds of excellent future they have to offer to their members and the public. The society is truly one of our preservation oaks. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Scott Holmes, Track Tribe, Sir Cubworth, Carmen Maria, and Symbolbird. MicroStream Radio is a registered trademark. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by MicroStream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of MicroStream Radio. Thanks to everyone for listening. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. We'll see you all next time on Preservation Oaks.